Father, thank you that even through the heartache of our life and the pains that we go through, you are there in a powerful, powerful way. We are so grateful, Janan and I and Katie and Ajit, for such an amazing church and church family. We couldn't, we couldn't really have imagined a better group of people like my bride tells me all the time. And we're grateful for each and every one of them. It's good for me personally to see so many young, moody students here and folk, uh, men and women that go to other colleges around the area. That's the heartbeat of the future, Lord. And I pray that we can be of some real encouragement to each of them. I thank you for the diversity of this church family. I thank you that we are proving that at the foot of the cross, we find our greatest issue in life and that we don't need to be derailed by what is tearing the country apart, but we can be unified by he who died for us. I praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in our series called Come Alive, where self-help ends and God's power begins. Uh, I feel prompted to, uh, to share with you this morning that I actually have a book coming out in January 4th that is titled The Seven Resolutions Where Self-Help Ends and God's Power Begins. And I'm so encouraged with what God is already doing, and uh, I'm just so pleased and a lot of this is due in part to what the Lord has taught me through you, for those of you that have been here. I mean, it was six years ago already that Janan and I started praying with just one or two people. And then about a year after that, we started getting serious about this thing called a church. Uh, but we're just grateful because what we're seeing in your lives is amazing. We're beginning to make disciples here, and that's awesome. And it's fun to see your lives aligned with the Lord uh, from the bottom of my heart. I want to thank every one of you for being part of this church. And for those of you that are new here today, I normally start preaching before this time. So uh, we'll have you out of here, though, before 4 o'clock for sure. <laughs> that was a joke. I always like to let that linger just a little bit. The new guys are going, how do we get out of here? Well, I got chewed out by a radio listener this week. And uh, I don't get chewed out very often, but I got chewed out. And uh, they texted in, and I'm going to tell you what they said. I've got it here verbatim. Carl, your teaser just made me turn you off. You cannot keep doing that for 10 minutes. It is truly worse than annoying. It is disrespectful. And I didn't know what to do. I read that to Allie, my co-host, and she just started laughing. And she said, well, what our radio coach is telling us to do seems to be working and our, we have a radio coach that tells us, you know, you never give away the punchline. You kind of hold on to it. And uh, it was, it's been interesting because I don't want to be like most radio jocks that are out there and do all this teasing way down the road. So I told our radio coach, I said, I'm never going to go more than a few minutes, and I don't. And this one wasn't any longer than usual, me saying this is coming up. But this is what I had said that got her so mad. I simply said that there is one character in the Bible, but if you can't see yourself in this character, you probably do not know Jesus. Who is that character? I'll tell you coming up. 
And then I played a song, and she's probably sitting there going, who is this character that if I am not, don't see myself in this character, I'm probably not saved. And she got so ticked, she sent to me, quit doing this stuff to us here. And so I'm not going to make you wait. I'm going to share with you the biblical character that if you cannot see yourself in this character, you probably are not born again. I want to be very clear here this morning. Who is this character? Well, Jesus went to the cross, and when he went to the cross, there were two men on either side of him. If you don't know the storyline, and some people don't, and I don't want to presume that everyone here does, but it's important for you to note that there were two thieves, and they were they might have been treated harshly for their thievery, but they were guilty of what they had done. We pick it up in Luke's account where he finds this written. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at Jesus saying, now imagine this, imagine this. All three of them have their arms wide, their, their hands are pierced, blood is flowing down. Their feet are pierced, blood is flowing down. They are going to die. They are bare naked. They are on a roadway. There's no loincloth. We only do that for church plays. They are naked. And they are bleeding out. They are about to perish in one of the most horrific ways. But the criminal railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, as he looked to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Why do I say he's maybe the most relatable or needs to be the most relatable character in Scripture? More, more relatable than the woman at the well. I love the woman at the well. I can't wait to meet her. I'm so excited to meet her. Uh, more relatable than the wayward son in the parable or the story. More relatable than the son that was filled with pride who stayed on the home front. He was the religious guy. He did it all right, don't you know, for daddy. But he was lost as a goose. More relatable than any biblical figure is the thief on the cross. You might say, how can this be, Carl? I'm not a petty thief. I'll tell you why. We are all the thief. We are all guilty. We are all guilty. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is without guilt. You see, admitting personal guilt is how we're embraced by God, coming to grips with the fact that I'm a sinner. To be able to look at other people and go, we deserve to be here. It's a powerful thing. It's too little done today. This is why I wonder how many in the church today truly do know Jesus because many say, oh, I believe in Jesus. No, no, what are you believing him for? Are you believing him for the guilt of your sin that was washed away by the blood of Jesus? Or are you just believing him because you think you need to believe in Jesus? See, admitting personal guilt is how we're embraced by God. And owning our sin is the toughest thing to do, but I need you to hear me today because this is very important. 
Owning sin is the toughest thing to do because it means that the Holy Spirit has to build within us the courage to bust through pride, self-will, blame, projection. But it's powerful. Can I be this bold? Owning our sin is the toughest thing to do, but it is the most transformative thing to do in our life. I know many of you have dealt with very difficult situations and life circumstances. I know that. And what I'm about to say, I'm going to pre-qualify because it's going to be hard hit right from the word. What I'm about to say, I don't want you to hear wrongly. My heart aches for those of you that have paid a price with sexual abuse at the hands of a family member, a boyfriend, My heart aches for those of you that have gone through physical abuse and verbal abuse. I am so, my heart breaks for you. For those of you that were manipulated by your parents and really not loved well at all, I genuinely hurt with you. I genuinely do. For those of you that have gone through church pain and betrayal, it's a pain you never should have had to go through. And I hurt for you. But this I need you to know. Your greatest impediment to life change is you. In fact, when you clear away the sin in your life, you can move more easily to overcome the sin of others that has negatively impacted your life. That's the great mystery. I know. I know what it is to say, but God, 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 look at this. God in His grace says, no, look here. I'm reminded of the Sermon on the Mount here on the fly right now in my heart, so i got to share it, where He tells the story of you want to help someone with that big old thing, that problem in their life, and what did Jesus say? First get this plank out of your eye then you can see to get the speck out of another see the greatest path forward in the abundant transformative discipleship relationship with God is to resist what we see as an epidemic across America this is what's killing us everybody's picking pointing fingers very few of us are saying look at me a sinner How many of us are hanging in our pain willing to say, I got stuff here? So this morning, I want to open God's Word and share a message that is rarely given in church today. But one of the most important disciplines of any victorious disciple of Christ I have ever met in my life. I need you to know this. And this is almost like the secret sauce. title of my message is just this kill sin kill sin you want to come alive you got to kill sin i want to ask you what would it be like for you to beat sin in your life 
I'm talking about those ones that you can't manage, they're managing you. The ones that you've hidden, the ones that you've covered up, the ones that you hope go away. The reoccurring ones, you kick their butt for a while and then it comes back and kicks you. To get a win over that one area of your life that keeps holding you and every part of you down, it's diminished you and you know it. I know you have moments of deep personal resolve and confidence. It sounds like this. I'm going to beat it this time, but then it's back again, sometimes with more force than before. I know this because I'm with you. I know what it is to be in a battle to put sin to death, but we got to kill sin. It's not talked about in the church today. We talk about how to overcome this and how to forgive, but we got to look in a mirror and go, God, look at me. Why kill sin? Why? I want to give you a very clear reason this morning. We're getting killed by the very things we claim to hate. Isn't that weird? And it is severing our communication with God. I don't have time to get into it today, but we find at least eight places in the New Testament alone where God says, if you persist in missing the mark this way, I will freeze you out of communication with me. Whoa. That's pretty heavy. Why would God do that? Because God is always jealous for us to live in communication with Him. And God loves us so much, like I had to do with my son one time when he was just a little guy and he was out of sorts with his mama, I froze his funds. said this about six weeks ago. I froze his funds, his discretionary funds, until he got his life aligned with household rules. God will freeze you out of communication with him, not because he doesn't love you or is playing the hard-nosed dad. He loves you so much that he's willing to withhold conversation for the purpose of getting your life in a transformative position. Yeah. Quick note. Feel prompted herewith. I've had so many men tell me, Oh, Pastor Carl, I'm talking to God, but I, man, I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. The reason that is is often because it's true. Because a man that does not live with his wife in an understanding way, God is clear. He will sever that and cut that off. He cuts off communication. So the question that we have here this morning is how to kill sin. And I want to tell you how today. Because I know some of you want to put it to death. Who here would like to know from the Word of God, not from Pastor Carl's wisdom, because that that won't even get you a cup of coffee. Who wants to know how to kill sin? Anyone? Show of hands, those of you that don't have hands up. (laughs) What in the cat here is wrong with you people? (laughs) Flipping nuts. All right, here we go. How to kill sin. Three, I promise you, money back guaranteed ways. And they are hard and they are beautiful. First is this, expose it. I want you to think about that sin in your life right now, that one that keeps cropping its head. It might not be big, but it's big enough where it's stealing your joy, it's taking you off your game, and you know it. I want you to think about it. Expose it. You might say, expose it. What do I need to do, Carl? 
Well, in just a minute here, we're going to have everyone line up and share their sins. Well, <laughs> decided against that while I was in Bermuda. Aren't you glad I went on vacation? No, we're not going to have you line up here, but, but, the, but the principle of exposing it is real. Look at what we find here in 1 John 1, 7 and 9. 1 John 1, 7 and 9. If you're taking notes, this is an anchor text that you've got to use the rest of your life. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Oh, wow, look at that. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, three words, say it with me, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Amen is right. Expose it, my friend. I don't care where you are. I know what it is to live in South Africa a little bit, and I know what our friends are facing that are right now listening to us. I know what it, I, I can only imagine what it is for the beautiful Parsitums to have your home ravaged by marauders that are coming in when there were riots down there or the fear of them encroaching on your home. But you know what? I know what it is to look at other culture groups and point and go, those guys, those guys, those guys. But I know what it is, too, to go, God, search me and let me get honest here and let me just give it up to you and expose it. Bring it into the light of truth by confessing it to God. And friends, you got to do it. Write down, if you're taking notes, James 5. Look at it later. I don't have time to get in it today, but it's another beautiful passage of confession, and it's even about confession of sin before elders. And ironically, sins can cause sickness because we find that your sins confessed will actually bring healing. Some of you are struggling with physical maladies, and I'm not some crazy TV guy, but some of you guys are struggling with physical maladies in your life because you are harboring sin that is unconfessed. Yeah. You know why? It creates stress, and stress releases toxins, and those toxins can grow disease of all kinds. I feel prompted to say this because I know it full well. Some of you can live absolutely sin-free and still have sickness because we live in a sin-sick world. Paul said, oh God, remove this thing, this pain from me. Three times he asked him and God said, my grace is enough. Sometimes your grace is enough to get you through sickness, but don't be sick because you have unconfessed sin, my friend. Don't do that. When you bring sin into the light of truth, three powerful things happen, and they won't be on the screen, but I want to just speak them out because they're true on my heart right now this morning. Three, the cleansing process begins, and it's thorough. The cleansing process begins with confession of sin to God and at least one other. Uh, the cleansing process begins, and it's thorough, and it's beautiful. And you realize you're not alone, number two. You're not the only one. When you confess sins in a healthy community, and we're going to talk about choosing the right kind of friends to run with because you can be at Moody Bible Institute 
and not have the right kind of friends around you, trust me. We're going to talk about that because there's the right kind of people that you confess your sins to, and there's some that you just don't at all. That's casting pearls before pigs. Don't cast pearls before pigs. But you realize you're not alone, and you're not the only one. It's a beautiful thing when you have a healthy community, and I'll tell you about something that happened Thursday night here in just a minute. It's just beautiful. Third thing I want you to know about exposing sin in your life is you live in authentic community and are freed from shame and isolation there's too many of you that are walking alone and you come and go from church and maybe you even and i know this to be true you can come and grow from a small group till the cows come home and you know what happens nothing because you walk pat walk in with your sin and you walk out with your sin and no one ever knows it and i'm telling you right now listen to me the most powerful men and women i know expose sin some of you know, and I love the fact that there's moody students here, if you haven't heard this before, I lied to get into Bible college. What a great claim to fame. I shared this about four weeks ago now, but I lied to get into Bible college. I mean, I'm fresh off cocaine, Crown Royal. I'm thinking, I am living free, man. And I'm going down the, filling out the, it was hard copy back in the day. You youngins don't laugh at me. Yeah. At least we didn't have slate, okay? But we're checking boxes, and I'm going, yeah, I'm clean on that, clean on that, clean on that. And, I, and it gets down to this one question, do you use any tobacco products? Now, I got a problem, because I got a big old mouthful of skull, nice, fresh chew in my mouth. It usually took a, quite a good region, like from here to here. Uh-oh. What's a guy to do? Feel... Figured it was a deal breaker, so I lied. Check, no, I don't use tobacco products. Well, I've got a mouthful of skull. Wow. I had no joy when my acceptance letter came in the mail. None. I faked it. Went to a group of guys, told them, eh, I'm going to Bible college, you guys. Right on, Carl, let's go celebrate, man. We're going to have some non-alcoholic beer. That was good, but I'm still chewing skull. Drove across the border, got to school. Real problem, as I shared with you, I couldn't afford a whole new rack of jeans. I wore 501 Blues, baby, button-ups. That was the jeans you had to have. They were made by Levi's. They were nice and tight, and they were perfect. But they always tended to expose whatever was in your back pockets. So every one of my jeans, left side, had a big old horkin ring. Perfectly fit for a can of skull. And I'm like, shoot. So I went around with untucked shirts for the first week. And I couldn't take it anymore. I went into the president and the dean, and I just walked right in. I go, here's the deal. I lied to get in here. You probably need to boot me out. They said something like, you can't believe how many people lie to get in here. <laughs> no moody students lie to get into college, so I promise you that. But I, I lied to get in there, and uh, they said, very few, though, come and tell us. 
so you're welcome to stay. And as I was walking out, Dr. Joe Aldridge said, by the way, find a way to get off that stuff, would you? I said, yes, sir, I will. You got to expose it, man. Some of you are walking alone with something that is absolutely eating your lunch. You got to stop this, man. And the first way is to not, oh, I got to stop it. It's just go, here it is. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's alcohol. I don't care if it's weed. Weed's heavy now, man. You can get so many different flavors and applications of weed, and I, you can just go right down the store and get it. Lines outside are long, so you need to get there early. But it's killing people, man, left and right. I don't care if it's pornography. I don't care if it's food. I don't care what it is. Your first job is to not beat that addiction. Your first job is to expose it. Isn't that freeing? You mean just get it out there? Yep. Just get it out there. Just say it. Just speak it. I am stuck in... And you're going to get freedom on the way. Second thing, right from the word, attack it. Attack it. Attack sin? Oh, yeah. I think this is taught more by Jesus than in his most aggressive words are saved for sin in our lives. Look at this in Matthew 18, verses 8 and 9. I love this, man. And if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Whoa! What? It goes on. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than two hands or two feet and thrown into eternal fire. He's using hyperbole here, obviously. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Whoa! It is better for you to enter life with one eye than two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying that you, hear me now, I, I, need, I need you right now. You desperately need to take extreme measures to put to death whatever sins are killing you. Extreme. You can no longer play games with the stuff that's eating your lunch. No more. Are you doing this in our own power, Carl? No way. But no more. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? Come on, let's tap into his training grace that he gives us. Titus 2, uh, 11 and 12. Grace for saving, grace for training. We can tap into it today. It's unbelievable. This is where blood needs to be spilled. You say, Carl, what do you mean? I'm saying, you got to do some serious work in attacking this sin. John Piper explains, this is the only way to prepare for real spiritual battle. Listen to what he says. I love this. Until you believe life is a war, that the stakes are your soul, you will probably just play at Christianity with no blood earnestness and no vigilance 
and no passion and no wartime mindset. Did you hear me? Until you believe life is really a war, you will just play games at your Christianity. And it will cost you dearly. I was asking my bride about this one because we got so many ways to illustrate it, but most of them are too sensitive to share. But she, she gave me one of a friend that says, this is really a cool story. This woman came to grips with the fact that she's a shopaholic and she's hiding it from her husband. And she's like, hide this stuff like crazy. And she's like, I got to deal with this. And so she exposed it. She came to her husband and said, honey, I'm shopping. I'm shopping online. I'm shopping on TV. I'm shopping like crazy, and I can't stop myself. And she's weeping, and he said, I love you, and I just pray that you have someone who loves you that much. And then she went to her friends, and she said, hey, here it is. I got to expose it. And then her friends helped her take extreme measures to attack it. And she gave them full passwords to all of her spending receipts. Even if she was withdrawing cash on the side so that she could then kind of slide it that way, she let it all be seen by her friends. Her friends got full access to her accounts. That's what it is to attack it. I got friends that have, I got one friend that uh, battles with the refrigerator and what's in the home. And, and he came to me and he said, You know what, Carl? You know what I've done? Because there's certain foods that just eat my lunch. A job one, I had to make sure those foods aren't anywhere in my home. He said, You ought to see my refrigerator and my cabinets. They're full of the most boring, healthy stuff ever. That isn't my problem. but it might be yours. Expose it. Attack it. Gouge an eye out. Do what you got to do. Get serious about this stuff. Third thing. Overwhelm it. Oh, this one's my favorite. This one's my favorite. Can't wait. Can't wait. Oh, I won't do what I did to that lady on radio. Here we go. In Galatians 5, 16, listen to this verse. This is powerful. If you're struggling with sin, listen to this verse, and all of us are. Ready? But I say, walk by the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What? I take God in his word right here. The book of Galatians is written to a church that is fixated on proving themselves by living good religious lives. And you know what? They are totally impotent. This verse is money. Uh, This is money. So many people have gone through so many kind of undulations to try to deal with sin. First expose it, then attack it. Those are biblical. And then this one is overwhelm it. But I say, I mean, one little verse, look at this. But I say, walk by the Holy Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. I'll, I'll illustrate this in a second. 
But I want to give you one more verse because it's the most fundamental verse in the best book of theology in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, verse 13 says this. For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. That means all your wisdom, all your fancy footwork, all that junk. But if by the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What? You say, what, Carl? What's this all about? I want to be bold with you right now, and I need everyone in this room listening to me right now, and those online, and I mean all the way to South Africa, hear me, right now. We don't talk enough about this, but we need more and more and constant infilling of the Holy Spirit. Constantly. We need Holy Spirit power in our lives or we ain't going to make it. I hope you're all hearing me. Your life is finite. We all have a limited number of hours in a day, a certain amount of energy to expend, and capacity limits on friends we can have and the money we can spend. Life has its limits. It's the same way with sin. I need you to hear me very clearly. If a day in your life is like a 55-gallon drum, you ever seen those steel drums? Those are 55-gallon drums. If a day in your life is like a 55-gallon drum that contains your day, you have 55 gallons of something to put in it, okay? Let's just say you got a 55-gallon steel drum, and that's your day. And you got 55 gallons of something to pour into it. The way to deal with sin is to overwhelm your day with the Holy Spirit so that flesh has no way to occupy it. That's the key. The way to kill sin proactively is to fill up 55 gallons, if needed, in the Spirit and leave no room for the flesh or sin to even live. That is exactly what God prescribed. You might say, well, Carl, what in the world does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit to the point where you are actually um, experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? I mean, what's that look like? And I think one of the reasons that we've run from the infilling of the Holy Spirit is because, as I love to say here, there's so many guys and gals out there that are doing it in funky, weird ways, and it's embarrassing. I get so embarrassed by some of these whack jobs on TV. But I want to tell you that there is a really important thing that we miss in the church, especially the evangelical church. The Holy Spirit is the forgotten God of the Trinity, and He is here. And I need you to hear me We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody's asked me before, well, Carl, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? I know what they're driving at. They're driving at, have you spoken in tongues? Let me tell you something. The greatest evidence of being filled with the Spirit is that you're not going to have room for sin to be your master in your life, and you're going to walk in picking victory. That's the greatest evidence. And so, I want to give you an example of what it looks like. You know what real men do? Real men light candles and get together in a home and get in a circle 
take communion and play worship music and lift our hands before the Lord. Last Thursday night, I invited the guys that I'm working with in discipleship to come by our home. We began with some worship and some singing, and we just meditated and let the Lord just move in power. I gave communion, and we just prayed, and then someone would speak up, and it was a beautiful thing, man. A man would speak and say, this is what God's saying to me right now. This is something I'm battling with, and all of us men would gather around this guy, and we would just pray, and then we'd sing, and then we'd pray, and then we'd sing, and then another one, and we got through only three guys in two and a half hours. I need you to hear me. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is not something you do at a Costco gas station or close to it. It's not like this little hit and run thing like, oh God, fill me up with your Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm going to go really and go in your power today. Linger with God. Turn on some praise music and let God minister your soul. Get some people around you and pray. Hear me now. We saw the Holy Spirit fill up some brothers that night in our home. Thursday night. You know what I'm convinced of? The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. And I'm convinced that even if you sit here this morning or in your 180 home right now, or no matter where you are in this world, as you begin to be quiet before the Lord enough to hear the Holy Spirit speak, the Holy Spirit will show you when to cancel an appointment and spend some time with Him. It will show you where to read in Scripture to get guided into truth. I'm absolutely convinced of this. I'm not some crazy mystic that has no room for this. I'm a crazy mystic that believes that the Holy Spirit wants us to know how to use this. Yeah, and you better clap about that right now because that's not what I said. That's what this says. I got no roundhouse illustration for you. I just got one statement. Coming up here, big dog, we're going to lead a song. I don't know what one we're going to do, but you be, you take whatever one you want. Here it is, final statement coming up on the screen right now. It's time to quit managing, hiding, and running from our sin and finally put it to death. It's time. I don't know how else to say it. It's time. It's time to quit managing it. How's that working for you? How are you managing? You know what I find? I've tried to manage sin before. You know what? It winds up running me around. It tells me what time to clock in and what time to clock out. Hiding it? Oh, isn't that beautiful? Now you feel like the biggest lowlife on the planet. It's like, yeah, I'm a worshiper of God, baloney. And then Satan comes in, and you know what he does? He tells you, you're a fraud. You're a fraud. That's what he tells you. There's nothing good inside of you, and you know what you need to say back to him? You know what? In me there isn't, but in Christ I got the victory. Let's go, guys. We're going to do some healing prayer.
want everyone in this room to bow your head right now. Everyone in this room, bow your head. We're going to do something together here. I know we're late here today, but you'll be okay. I'm asking you to cup your hands in front of you, every one of you, and I'm asking you because imagery is a powerful thing. I'm asking you to do something amazing here. I'm asking you to bring your sin before the Lord and and set it right there. Whatever it is, something that's causing you to miss the mark, I'm asking you to bring it right there, right there. All of us have something. My word, guys, come on. If you have to think of something, ask the person you came with. They probably know you well enough. Bring it right there before the Lord. We're going to do this together. We're not going to have any prayers at the walls today. You're just going to go before the Lord, and we're going to do some healing prayer through this worship song. So I'm asking you right now to join me and expose it. Tell Jesus right now, this is what I'm battling with right now. Tell him. Not out loud. It'd be mayhem around here. We did that thing out loud. Just quietly before the Lord. I'm asking you to ask him for the power to attack it. Power to attack it. you to know the pressure's off because some of you are thinking, I've got to confess it in my power, I've got to attack it in my power. No, you don't. Because right behind that, you overwhelm it. And you get filled up with the Holy Spirit. For you live according to the flesh, you're going to die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's not your job. It's not your job. You don't have to do it. All you got to do is rely on the Spirit to do it. St. Carl, that seems too easy. Oh no, the price was paid on the cross. It's not cheap, but it is powerful. Way more power than any power you can muster in your life.